This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenn DeGeek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Lisa Wysocki from Ashland City, Tennessee, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 25, episode 2600. This episode is brought to you by Kevin Equine. Good morning, Horse World. Well, good morning, everybody. Jamie is not here today, so Lisa, thank you for filling in. Appreciate it. Oh, that. you're so welcome. Jamie's off getting her shoulder operated on probably right now. She said she had to be at the hospital at 630. So, Holy cow. Yeah, which is good because you have to do that whole fasting and not drinking thing. Uh, That's true. Before surgery, and you really don't want 4 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so she should probably be under the knife right now. Uh, she was getting a couple of bone spurs ground out in her shoulder. And, uh, we are going to have shows for you this week. Tomorrow will be dark, but uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have shows for you. We recorded them in advance. So uh, we actually doubled up last week and recorded. So you have brand new shows. They just, uh, we, we, she will be recuperating and listening to them uh, from the couch. Uh, so we did record them ahead. So we do have some fun shows for you planned the rest of the week. But first, let's before we get on to today's show, let's talk a little about Larry King. He, you know, he obviously passed away. And he's one of those guys that since I was born, he seems like he was 85. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but what a leader in what we do. I mean, if you're talking, he was a master interviewer. Oh, he was. And, you know, he could ask those hard questions and not make them seem hard. And he could get the answers from the guests that nobody else could get. Yes. And he wasn't afraid to ask him. No, no, not at all. And such an early innovator. And, uh, you know, he he had a Nashville connection with uh, his wife, Sean King, who had a record deal for a while. And so he was in and out of town. I actually met him at some music industry event uh, a number of years ago. I'm going to say it was maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Did it seem like ago. it was 85? He did, yeah. <laughs> 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 and just, you know, kind of kind of short and frail and, and uh, you know, hunched over like he was and, and uh, you know, just, uh, but pleasant. So, uh one of his greatest uh-huh. quotes, I saw uh, I, he has done a number of interviews about interviewing, what, what makes a good interviewer. And he said, just remember, I never learn anything when I'm talking. Yes. Yes, so, he uh, knows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, never ask the question that you can't, that you don't know the answer to in advance. But he also, you know, he just would back off and he would, he would ask the tough questions, but he'd, he'd make them very short. Yes. Um, yeah. And I try and do that. I try and keep my questions short. Uh, you know, at some points, you, you know, the guest goes on and you have a time frame and you have to you have to move on. But sure. it, you're interrupting because you, you're just moving on. But right. uh, yeah, he was very good at, uh, at bringing out that. But he did some research or he had his team did, did research. I mean, somebody, somebody was doing some research before those guests because the questions oh, sure. were were very well done. So, yes, yeah. yes. And I think didn't two of his children pass away within yes. the last year and then he had cancer yes. and and yes. Uh, that must have been really really hard. Yeah, he's you know, he's had an interesting life. Very eight much lives, so. I think is it was on number 8 yeah. I believe. <laughs> 
But uh, I always wondered about number seven and eight. If you're number seven, you know there's going to be a number eight. Well, you would think so. <laughs> you'd think if you were number five, you'd think that there was a number there's six. six. <laughs> <laughs> but he will be missed. I mean, he was he was a classic. I mean, he was one of the originals in the space in radio and TV. So yes, uh, yes. So rest yes. in peace, Larry. Absolutely. Well, on today's show, we, our Equiderma guest is a rising star in the eventing world, Maxine Preston. Maxine speaks to us about the importance of developing a good team in the barn. Also, Michael from Kemen Equine addresses probiotics and prebiotics. Helena is going to join us first from Soul and Stable on her professional development webinar that's happening tonight. And Deanne from Horse Nation chats about some stories from the week. So we have all of that coming up. But first, we have to do some... Oh, and I have something special for you later, too, before I do my Daily Winnie. I had this guy named George write to me. He's from the Cayman Islands, and he has a horse wife. But he's a musician, <laughs> so he wrote some songs about it. And they are unfreaking believable so I'm going to play one of those for you today, too. It was terrific. He wrote to me over the weekend. I, I just laughed the whole way through the song because it was so true. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear. Yep. All right. So we'll get him on the show, too. I got to talk to somebody from the Cayman Islands who plays guitar. I mean, it just sounds like the dream retirement, right? Yes. Um, except he married a horsewoman. There's that. There went so all his money. Are, how many horses are on the Cayman Islands? I don't know. We can find, I'll have to ask him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday to auditors, and I tried to get the whole week's worth of auditors, so I didn't miss anybody later in the week. Aaron Anderson, Celeste Coulter, one of our cruising buddies, uh, Shannon Kwashi, Rita Hansen, and, of course, host of the Wisdom by Wisa show here on the Horse Radio Network, Mike Donnell. Happy birthday to all of you. Also wanted to acknowledge two auditors that raised pledges this week, Roxanne Mainster and Mary Ellen Murphy. Both raised their pledges this week, so thank you to you guys. If you want to become an auditor, just head over to horseradionetwork.com, scroll down the right-hand side of the page, you'll see the auditor banner. Just click on that, and for as little as $3 a month, you too can join the auditor room and all of the things they have going on over there, including the great, tra- what is it, the Great Sisterhood of the Traveling HRN Saddle Pad or something? Yes. <laughs> uh, which is apparently is in Alaska right now and going to be heading off to its next home soon. It's Lisa- with Lisa Kelly. Ice Road Trucker Lisa Kelly has it right now. Uh, so <laughs> that'll be heading off to its new home soon. But your turn. So my daily when he goes to a person or several people whom I've never met, and I don't know who they are, but um, at uh, Colby's Army, the um, nonprofit that I, I have, we got a grant to upgrade some things in the barn. And so we now have hot water, Glenn. What? We have hot water. It's wow. so exciting. It's life-changing. <laughs> it is life-changing. <laughs> particularly, you know, when it's 20 degrees and you're trying to wash your hands and it's cold water. And now we have hot water and... And on top of that, we have a dryer that actually works, so we can wash clothes in hot water and actually dry them, which is <laughs> amazing. And we have a new fan, a new ceiling fan in our tack room. Which is important we, when you live in Tennessee. 
Well, in the yeah. summer, it's yeah. going to be huge. And we have faucets now at the end of the barn that's less than 40 feet from our water troughs. So we don't have to lug 200 feet of hose in 20 uh, degree weather. I'm just so grateful to whoever gave us the grant, or whoever made those decisions. I, that's my daily winnie. Yay. Well, that should get a daily winnie. All those things yes. just make life so much easier. It's the little things, <laughs> it you know. Is little but, things. but it's just so life changing for us. Well, I think we should start with a song. What do you think? It's Monday morning. So. You know, 2021 has turned out to be a lot like 2020 in many ways. So far. So, <laughs> so we all need a little break. And uh, as I said, this guy's name is George Nowak. He's, uh, he's got a website called Barefoot, Barefootman, barefootman.com. And uh, go, go to the website. There's all these pictures of him floating on floaties and stuff in the Cayman Islands. <laughs> but I think he has a horse wife. And this is the first song. I love this one. It's called The Horse. When she says I love you, there's no one above you. She's talking to the horse. When I haven't seen her from breakfast till dinner She's been with the horse <laughs> She says, baby, hold steady, I'm getting on top She's screaming with pleasure, oh, please don't stop Let me tell you, my friends, it's not dirty talk She's riding the horse <laughs> When she is smiling, beside her I'm lying She's dreaming about her horse She spends all my money Like it ain't funny It's all on the horse When she's on cloud nine With hay in her hair I take a cold shower Cause I can't compare To the love that she Finds out there Riding her horse she shows up muddy, all dirty and grubby She's been bathing her horse On our coffee table, the walls and the stable There's pictures of the horse When she dresses in leather with a whip in her hand I don't get too excited cause I know the plan She's not getting kinky, it's not S&M Riding the
was George Nowak. He's the barefootman.com, and that was called The Horse. What a great song, and what a great voice. You have to have him on the show. I do. I have to get him on the show. He has a couple more songs that we'll play uh, at some point, too. But uh, uh, thank you, George, for writing to me. That was a terrific. It's so true. Every horse husband's nightmare right there. It's a Yeah. <laughs> So true. Well, let's go to our first guest. How about that? We uh, Everybody knows Helena. She fills in here occasionally. My first co-host on the Horse Radio Network and the Stable Scoop show 12 years ago. Uh, she has her own show now, Stall and Stable, and she's working with the company to put on a professional development webinar tonight. A lot of people don't know that Helena was uh, in the business world for many, many years. I learned a lot from her over the years. Whenever I had a question involving Horse Radio Network over the years, I'd call Helena or involving the business side of things. Uh, so she's pretty smart that way. And she's putting on a webinar tonight. So if you're listening to this on Monday, you have to you still have time to get in. So uh, we'll give out all the information. But let's get Helena on to chat about it. Well, hi, Helena. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me on today. So Helena, 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 I was just bragging about how when I would have trouble or have a question about the business side of Horse Radio Network, I would call you because you're a smarty pants. <laughs> and uh, you're doing a webinar tonight. Uh, so if you're listening to this on Monday, you're not too late. Uh, Monday the 25th, it's uh, tonight at 7 o'clock. And it's in combination with Strider. What's Who's Strider again? Strider is an online platform. Um, it's a new company, well, relatively new, and they've created an online platform for organizers, show organizers, clinic organizers, business owners to publish their events through a calendar. And folks like you and me, riders, horse enthusiasts, we can go onto the platform and register right online. We can pay, um, you know, show entries, all that kind of stuff. We can even fill out. Um, liability releases and waivers right online. So when we go to our event, it's as contactless as possible. We had them on the um, show recently. You did. Okay. You did. So it's twofold. It's a service um, for business owners, and it's also a service for riders. So if you're looking for a clinic or an event to go to, you can go right to the Strider platform, um, do a quick search or look at their calendar, find the event you're interested in, and it's soup to nuts getting yourself registered. You have uh, you have personally taken a little turn in doing more clinics and webinars and things over the last year. I'm so glad you are too because that, you're that that is one of your real strong suits. You know, it's funny and looking backwards over my career, the one before my equestrian career, and then now combining business and my horse keeping experience. Um, I didn't realize really how much um, analysis and planning went into the the development of what, so I was in product development in the IT and finance industries for a very long time. Um, and I'm really just taking those business practices and putting them into a barn. So the product could be um, a lesson program. It could be training. It could be retail. It's basically taking your product and developing it into something that uh, horse enthusiasts can use. And is that what tonight's about? The webinar? That is what tonight's about. Tonight's for um, business owners, whether you're looking to start up and go out on your own, or if you're already in business and you need to grow or you want to pivot, especially considering what the pandemic has done for a lot of horse businesses, um, we have to kind of think out of the box and figure out ways that we can increase our profitability or even just stay alive. 
And so business planning is a really important part of that. And I think it's something that horse professionals um, aren't very comfortable with. So my job is to kind of deliver uh, an overview of what goes into the business planning process and help them feel comfortable getting started on that path. And this webinar, it's really expensive, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things that we're going to talk about is how important it is for business owners to value their time. And so, yes, it's $15 to register for the (laughs) webinar. (laughs) And that covers our time and, you know, some of the tech resources that we use. No, I I was being very sarcastic because, you know, most of the webinars that you and I go to that involve anything business related are three or $400. Yes. Uh, You know, they're they're starting at that. I mean, uh, so when I saw it was $15, I went, well, that's that anybody can do that one. (laughs) Well, it's our first one. Um, Strider offers a professional development webinar series, which is really good. So they have um, guest presenters come on and whatever their topic of expertise is, they do these webinars. So it's, to me, I think there's nothing else like it in the equestrian industry. And we really need it because horse people historically have not really considered themselves as professionals. So if, pick a topic that you're going to talk about tonight that we can chat about, if you pick one of the things. Writing a business plan. Actually writing a business, putting <laughs> words down. You know I suck write. at that, which is why she picked this. Because she knows I suck at that over the over the last 40 years I've sucked at that. Yeah. But it's it's the kind of thing where you do it once and it will keep on giving back to you and your business in the long run. And one of the things I tell my clients is a business plan is a really helpful tool for reducing, if not eliminating, barn drama. It, we, there's no barn drama in any of <laughs> well, All right, let me be clear. We're not eliminating horse drama because <laughs> horses are horses. But the drama of running a business, the drama of dealing with clients, taking payments, you know, it's we, we're like awkward. We, we got into, we open barns and we start teaching lessons because we want to work with horses, not because we want to manage people. Right. Or But managing people is 80% of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so when you have a business plan, it it becomes sort of like a, a business coach. It becomes um, the boss, honestly. And so it removes that interpersonal uh, tension between a business owner and their clients. Because, you know, the horse industry is a very emotional one. It's, it's hard to separate your professional um, objectives and your personal feelings quite often. So the business plan gives you something concrete and neutral and objective to lean on when you feel that tension while you're running your business. And you do need one if you're going after a loan of any kind for the business. I mean, you're going to need one. Lisa, I assume you, with the grants and things that you guys get, you probably have had to redo this a hundred times. Oh, absolutely. And we, we actually update it every six months. We probably should update it, you know, more often. But, you know, one thing that I was thinking while you were talking, Helena, is, you know, I think if, if you're talking to a boarder, for example, um, or uh, a client who might be bringing a horse to you for training, that person very likely has a business plan with their own business. So maybe can relate and, and you can get some bonus points just that they know you have a business plan. It's true. It's true. Uh, the more prepared you are, the more confidence you're going to portray out there into the world. 
You know what the problem with making a business plan is? It's just getting started. It's looking at the at the at the outline of what all the different things that need to go into business plan, and it, it's like writing a book, huh, Lisa? <laughs> well, it is, and and you know, I was I was just thinking that because when you write a nonfiction book, you have to develop a book proposal, which is basically the business plan for the book, and and you follow that, and it it makes life so much easier. And I'm just, I just know with a business plan for Colby's Army, it makes it so much easier if you just follow what you decided you were going to do six months ago. It, right. it makes life easy. Right. It really does make life easy. I, you know, was, we were talking to um, the folks at Strider and I said, you know, running a barn doesn't have to be painful. <laughs> <laughs> it really? <laughs> it, it, it does not have to be. All right, a little bit of pain. You know. uh, so the and um, Stall and Stable has published a, a business plan help guide for equestrians specifically. It's a 23-page digital guide that you can purchase online and download. It's a PDF document, but it takes you through the business plan process step by step. You know what? What should your cover page look like? Um, what kind of supporting documents do you need? And it's geared uh, toward horse businesses. It's geared toward horse businesses. Oh, wow, that's terrific. And I mean, step by step, it's really easy to digest. I included um, information like how to know how many stalls you need to fill in order to break even, how much you should charge for board, how do you figure that out? And my favorite part is I came up with um, I made up a fake uh, business. It's really cool because it's the <laughs> so I provided a sample executive summary. The executive summary in a business plan is the overview of everything that's in your business plan. And you write it last. So you go through your entire business plan and the executive summary is that front page that sums this up, sums up your business for the banks, your investors, sponsors, um, clients, anyone who's going to read the plan. And so the executive summary is for a company called Arched Arabians. I was like, what, what kind of fun, what kind of business would be fun to open? So Arched Arabians is um, it's a boarding and training stable all around, but they specialize in teaching mounted archery. Ah, that's a clever. I name, love that. <laughs> Arched Arabians, isn't that fun? That's a clever name. I love it. Yeah, it's based in Ocala, Glenn. So, you know, <laughs> so keep your eye open for them. They might someone might take this idea and run with it. Where can people? Well, first of all, two things before we go. Where can they register for the webinar? They can go to striderpro.com, and you just have to do a quick search or check their calendar. And I'll Strider put a link Pro. to that in the um, show notes. So just scroll over and look at the show notes on your phone and click on it, and we'll put a link to it directly. Yeah. So or if you go to Stall and Stable, I have a pop-up registration box that's right there. One click. Stallandstable.com. And where can people find the, the guide for the business plan that you did? That is also at stallandstable.com. There's a link in our top menu called Business Help. And the drop down will show you all the business services and products that we provide. And uh, you know, I always say in my in my when I give talks at, at podcast conferences, hire people that are better than you, and that's why Helena's. Uh, that's why she was my first co-host uh, because Aww. you always hire people that are better than you and smarter than you. That's why Lisa's Aww. co-hosting today. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Helena. Oh, you're very welcome. Good luck Thanks tonight. For me on. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. You know, we do a post show now for the auditors uh, yes. after after the end, and um, I think th I just came up with an idea for Lisa. Why don't we talk about how to write a book? 
Oh, we if could somebody do that. has to is going to get started, they've always dreamed about writing a book. What do they do? Kind of just like you know the first couple of steps to getting started yeah. to writing a book. I oh, think we that'd be great. Do that. We'll do that, that in the post that show. That would be fun. Well, I have Michael back with me from Kem and Equine, and today our topic is going to be what is the difference between pr- probiotics and prebiotics. So that's a great question. You know, the great thing is both are focused on helping to keep that gut bacteria healthy. One way that we may do this is by helping that beneficial bacteria in the gut to grow and function. However, prebiotics and probiotics, they accomplish this in two very different ways. Prebiotics are often these specialized fibers or these complex carbohydrates. So they're not living microorganisms. And they essentially act like a food source or an energy source for that beneficial bacteria in the GI tract. Probiotics, on the, on the other hand, are these living microorganisms. So they're usually strains of this beneficial bacteria or these good bugs that can help improve gut health overall. So, so, so why should you feed a probiotic then? You know, there is a lot of information out there. There's some good and some not so good about what probiotics can do. When it comes down to it, there are really two main benefits of using a probiotic. One, it's maintaining that microbial balance in the gut. This helps maintain this diverse population or many different types of microbes with these bugs in the gut. And it's been shown that this increased level of diversity is actually beneficial for the horse. And two, to reduce the number of pathogens or the bad bugs that are in the gut. If these bad microbes begin to multiply, they can actually damage the lining of that gut. And that leads to leaky gut syndrome, colitis, uh, diarrhea, or, or fecal water syndrome, or even colic. So, so under what circumstances would a microbial balance get out of whack, you know, that would result in maybe a bad bacteria, a harmful one? You know, there are a number of different things that can actually cause this. Extended antibiotic use, it mm. not only targets the bad bacteria, but it can actually damage that level of good bacteria or beneficial bacteria in the gut as well. This can lead to bacterial overgrowth from the bacteria that might not have been impacted by the antibiotic itself. It can also lead to in the enterocolitis, diarrhea, or colic, as we had mentioned before. Diet changes, that's another thing that can actually contribute to a stressor. Um, another one would be travel. Uh, any of these stressors can actually lead to a reduction of the health of the microbiome, uh, and it creates an unbalanced, unbalanced environment. Um, think about your own gut health. There are these times when there's changes to our health, um, such as diet, stress, anything like that, that can actually lead to these gastrointestinal problems. And it's the same for your horse. I know a little about that after the last couple of months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So there are many probiotics on the market, and we've heard about them for years. What characteristic does a good probiotic have and what others might not have? So number one is survivability. As I had mentioned, probiotics are these living microbes or cells, and they need to be able to reach that gut of the horse and they need to be alive and very viable to function. Um, and really, that's no small feat. Think about this. Probiotics are sensitive to time, temperature, and pH. So when you look at today's feed manufacturing process, such as pelleting, you have extreme temperatures, you have high pressures, and the impacts on these, along with some of the other ingredients that might be in that feed, can actually have a negative impact on those microbes. And we really can't take that for granted. We want those probiotics to be alive and well by the time they reach your horse. Then uh, to add insult to injury, it needs to survive exposure to the gastric acid. So that goes back to that pH that we talked about. These probiotics need to be a tough bug to actually make it through all of this and still provide a benefit to your horse. The second characteristic is proven mode of action. So it comes down to science. 
how does that probiotic actually help improve the microbiome, balance that microbiome, or inhibit the growth of pathogens or those bad bugs, bugs that we've referenced? Um, and it really just needs to be clearly understood and proven. Uh, the product claims that they make, they really need to be backed up by research and science. Finally, safety. Is it probiotic safe? Is there going to be any harmful side effects or issues if we feed this bacteria to the gut itself? Well, I know we've talked about here on the show that Chem and Equine's probiotic is Clostat. That's your probiotic of choice. How does it that all match up with all the characteristics you just talked about to make a, a good probiotic an effective one? So Clostat contains this patented strain of Bacillus subtilis. We call it PB6. PB6 is a probiotic that is unique. It's naturally occurring uh, to the animal itself. It's spore-forming bacteria, and which that, what that means is it's actually dormant and it's protected during the feed manufacturing process. After it passes through the stomach, it activates and it begins to release specific, uh, these specific active substances that actually inhibit the growth of that, those pathogens, those bad bugs that we mentioned, um, such as like Clostridium species, E. coli, Salmonella, Rhodococcus equi, Strep equi. Um, and Kevin has more than 200 R&D documents that actually reference PB6. Uh, and its efficacy, and that even includes in young and adult horses. So it really checks all those boxes that we were talking about initially. You know, science is amazing. Where can you, where can the listeners get close to that? Where can they find it? Chem and Equine is an ingredient company, and we work with a wide array of feed and supplement companies to bring these solutions directly to you, the horse owner. We suggest that you reach out to your preferred feeder supplement company and ask if they're already using Clostat in their products. You can also visit chemin.com slash equine. That's K-E-M-I-N dot com slash equine to learn more about where you can find these ingredients. Next up is our Equiderma guest of the week. She's a rising star in the eventing world, and we're going to speak with her today about the importance of building a good team at the barn. What a great, important topic. Uh, Maxine, Preston, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and we're excited to, to have you. So tell us a little bit about why eventing is such a passion for you. Oh, I, I honestly, I sort of like everyone else, went to Rolex when I was eight years old and saw everyone jumping the big fences and just thought, that's what I have to do in my life. And since that day, I've had multiple working student opportunities and always had this dream of having my own team and having my own string of horses to get, get to get to the top. And it's, it's just some, I don't, my family didn't do it. My family didn't do horses, but somehow eventing is just in my blood. I, I don't know how it got there, but it must have just been the first time I saw them competing. (laughs) That's amazing. And I know all the listeners are going to want to know what horses are you going to be competing on this year? So this year, I've got a great string of horses. My my big horse, Shenandale Magnum, who I've had the ride on for the last five years, will be competing at the intermediate and maybe advanced level if everything goes right later in the spring. Um, a young horse uh, my owners and I imported last year wants to be Cooley, just did his first preliminary last weekend after being in the States for a year and got aced in a big open prelim division. So we're very proud of him. And then another import we have is Fernhill HC High Rise. Um, he had done some two stars overseas and we're going to work to move him up to the intermediate level this spring. So those are my three big guys. And then we've got some babies in the barn that'll do, you know, beginner novice, novice training. Um, 
but we, you know, we'll just let their, their brains dictate their schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, to let the listeners know so they can start following the horses and you, of course. And, and, you know, I just can't imagine that you got where you are uh, coming back to the theme of, of our interview today without a really good team around you. Yeah. And so wh- who are the people who are most important to, to making Maxine Preston and her horses a success? Oh, I mean, I, I have to start with the girls in the barn. Uh, Aubrey Whalen and Sarah Bowman are my, my two girls that have worked for me now for a year. And they, I mean, they're unbelievable. They support me. They love me. You know, they work harder than anyone I've ever seen work. And they they keep me sane when my when my brain feels like I'm like it's exploding. So they are definitely like my right-hand people. They're really good at checking the horses and, so, and making sure the barn runs. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So, so sorry, but I, I'm just so excited. Um, when you were, when you were hiring them, what, what made you hire them? What was it about them that you said, this is going to be a good team member for me? Well, Aubrey is my working student and she actually came to me and we grew with a fun story. We don't have time for, but she has, she grew up riding at the same barn I grew up riding at in Michigan. And I, so I know where she came from. I know what she started with. And she came to me and she said, I really want to do well at this sport and I need help. And you're the only person I know that is sort of left, you know, it's a great barn. It's a great facility in Michigan, but it's just for up down lessons. And she wanted to be competitive. So she came to me and I saw that passion in her eyes. And I said, of course, we'll we'll take you in. And then Sarah Bowman um, has extensive work with like Mustangs and young horses and has ridden a ton of, has done the RRP, I think four or five times. So when she was looking for a new job opportunity, I I thought that my professionalism could help her, but her knowledge of being with the horses her whole life uh, was something I really valued and needed. Now, there are times when you get lucky and sometimes you create your own Mm -hmm. luck, right? So you're hiring people and, you know, those of us that have hired a lot of people over the years, we've had good ones and then not so good ones. How important is it to weed out the not so good ones quickly? You know, you want to give everyone a chance, right? Like I try, I, I try to give everybody a 60 day chance. Um, and then we try to keep people on as long as they want to be there. But as everyone that does horses knows, barn chemistry is so important. I mean, you spend 12 hours a day with these people and you don't have choice. So when you recognize someone isn't a good fit for your team, removing them uh, or not removing them, but finding a place for them to go that's better for them usually is better for everybody. Um, we've, we've had in the past, we've had working students come in and they, you know, we want them to sit, we want them to work. But when you identify that they're not going to work and that they're affecting your core team. And when I say core team, I mean like your owners and your vets and your farriers and your trainer, then you need to find something that's better for them because they're not happy. They, they can say they're happy. They can say they want to work, but in reality, they're not. Yeah. And if you find somebody who's not working, let's say they're 30 days in and you, you just kind of suspect right. that, that it's going to be an issue. Do you try to find other tasks for them or restructure their position or talk to them? I mean, what do you do to, to give them that chance for success? Talking to them. I think communication is really key. I think people actually who work with horses struggle with communicating with people, right? Because that's why we want to mm-hmm. work with horses all day. Um, so I think trying to communicate them and explain to them where their weaknesses are is something that maybe prior bosses haven't done, previous bosses haven't done, or, you know, writing it down and, and letting them digest it and see what, where they're struggling. Because sometimes 
they they can get better and people can get better, but keeping that, that core barn energy positive is so important to me. It, Cause I, I, I mean, I live, my barn and my house are within five meters of each other. So if I have <laughs> negative energy, it makes me not want to leave my room. And that is not something I ever want to feel. And you know what? Right. We've all been there at barns. We've all been at the barn yeah. with the toxic person, right? I mean, it just, and it's usually mm-hmm. one. It's not usually of a group. Yeah. It's usually just one. <laughs> Um, and sometimes, you know, when they're younger, I, I was glad to hear you say you try and work with them because sometimes when they're younger, they don't know what they don't know. So they don't, right. they don't even know they're toxic. You know? So, um, <laughs> because they don't know what they don't know. And then sometimes it comes from the parents, right? Like yeah. that's what I found with my young working students is I'm like, and I'll get on the phone with the parents and they, and, and you try to talk to them. And, and, and that's usually when with a younger individual that's in my barn, if I can't work with the parents to make their child better, that's when I have to find a place, a new place for them to go. Because if, again, it comes back to that team. If we're all not a team and we're all not working together to make a horse or a person better, then we're never going to be successful. I mean, the definition of insanity is repeating something and thinking it's going to change the outcome. Yeah. And, you know, something I see in the auditor room a lot, and it, uh, that's just the, the kind of Facebook page for the uh, HRN super fans. Um, you know, a lot of our, our listeners are boarders and, you know, they're complaining about a, a barn manager or another boarder in the barn. And I liked what you said about communication. And I don't know if you have any mm-hmm. tips for them. I mean, if you're boarding in a barn and there's this toxic person um, that you may not have complete control over, how, how could you maybe make that situation better? Yeah, people say I'm a bit too blunt sometimes. Like when I have a problem, I just go to the person and I'm like, this is what I don't like. But really, and it and it sort of is that cliche thing to say, but trying to go home and write down what your problems are mm. because some problems are are your problems, right? Like sometimes you're projecting your issues on someone else and there are toxic people in the world. We all know that. But sometimes if you can evaluate how you're acting and change your actions, it will make their behavior better. And sometimes things never get better, right? Like sometimes there's no hope for a friendship or no hope for cohesion. But if you can write down what you have problems with, identify where you can change, and then go to that person and say, this is what I need to change about myself to make this better. I have, I've seen that work. I wow, love that idea. Because, I do too. Because as you know, as Lisa knows, she's an author. When you write things down, it forces you to think about yourself too. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, exactly. You know, and whereas if you're just thinking about it, not writing it down, you can avoid that. <laughs> right. But, you know. Because uh, well, it's always easier to make it someone else's problem. Well, and, and you know, you were absolutely right. A lot of the time, most of the times, there, there's a little bit of our problem in there, too. Uh, yes. And whether we want to accept that or see it is a different story. And some people never see their own issues. Um, yeah. But there's True. some very popular examples of that. <laughs> so. Now, Maxine, do you have um, some team members who maybe are not like part of the the day-to-day group in the barn, but other people who have been helpful in your success and are integral parts of your team? Oh, yes. Yeah. So the horse I spoke of first, Shenandoah Magnum, um, is owned by the Witkowski family. Uh, Lori Witkowski is the owner, but her daughter, um, Alyssa Witkowski, has been my friend for, I mean, since I started riding, we met in Pony Club. And in the beginning of my business, when I was making absolutely no money and was running novice and was, you know, I graduated college and was very confused about what 
I, why I had chosen to do horses, right? Like I got a degree. I should have gone and made some money. Um, I, I could call her every day. Same with Lori. I could, yeah, I, I could call them and I could talk to them. And, and Yanni, not just about the horses, but about the emotions I was feeling, the things I was going through. Um, without Lori and Alyssa, it, it would have been a very hard beginning years, right? Because I moved to Florida. I didn't know anyone. Like I moved to ride with Kyle and Jennifer Carter um, from Kentucky, or the school at the University of Kentucky, finished school, moved here. And I, I mean, I knew the people in the program, but we weren't friends. And to be able to call them and, and just, you know, be honest and be sad and be happy and share the ups and the downs of the day to day. I don't know if I would have been able to get through it, to be honest with I, you. And now, sorry, I was just going to add, I'm 60 and still wondering why. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I, why? <laughs> um, so, so they are, they're like, they, without, and without Elliot, this is our name, the Shando Magnum horse, without Elliot, I, I wouldn't have learned everything. I wouldn't have gotten to go everywhere I've gotten to go. Two years ago, I was uh, awarded a grant to go up to Bromont and run the three star there, which, you know, that was an incredible experience. Um, and with, so without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have my owners, Jerry and Christy Barnett, who, who owned the wants to be Cooley horse and who are invested in, in other horses. And, and then, I mean, actually there's a bunch of other people that I could sit here and name, but with that, without Lauren, Brian and Alyssa, it would not have catapulted me to Jerry and Christy and then the other people who support me. And, I, like that solid rock foundation has I've been so grateful for. Yeah, but you well, know, I, w- I don't want to miss this point. You built those relationships, yeah. right? Yes. So, yeah, yes. sure, yes. that's where Lisa was going too. Yes. You, you know, <laughs> it didn't happen by magic. You took the time to no. build those relationships when you were younger, right? As a working student, you worked your yeah. way up, you worked your ass off, you had no money, you were eating ramen noodles. Nope, had no money. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Lots of, lots of ramen noodles. Like, and I, like, now I'm like real adverse to them, right? No, I mean, no, we, like, my family bought my, bought my horse for me. Um, and I, I mean, I, it was a great horse. I thank a lot to that horse, Ned Devine, um, found by Holly Hep Hudspeth. And I owe, I owe a lot to that. But no, when I finished college, my grandparents were like, that's it. We're done. Like, we're done with the horses. We're done with the credit. Like, they had, I, you know, they gave me money in college to, like, you know, do college. And they were like, we're done. It's over. Like, you did it. You're an adult now. Were you, figure it out. You were they horses, pissed, by the way? Were they pissed when you didn't use your degree? Just curious. Yeah, my... my <laughs> My grandpa wasn't, right? My grandpa always had this feeling that I'd go to the horses, but my grandmother was so hopeful. She was like, yes, Maxine is going to get a dog. We're never going to have to pay for her again. We have done it. We got her through college. Um, and then when I told them I was going to become an equine professional, I think it's one of the few times I've seen my grandmother cry. Oh, We're good now. Is she I'm happy now? now? Oh, yeah. yeah she, okay. She's happy. Well, she's happy because I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Right. But she just didn't want to see me be miserable the rest of my life. And had I sat in an office all day, whew, what was your degree, by the way? Well, this is a, this is hilarious. <laughs> I knew I it would be. That's why I asked. History, <laughs> history. Art history with a focus in art history with a focus in uh, visual studies. And oh I wanted goodness. to be a costume designer. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I, I went to school intending not to go into horses. Um, my my great aunt is a costume designer. And so this, I did my freshman year of college. And then that summer I went to New York and had a wonderful internship um, 
in New York and met a bunch of people. And I was like, I love this. But at the end of the summer, I was like, this is just as much work as riding horses. Well, not only that, it probably pays less than riding horses. And it's one of the few things that probably... Yes. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And now you're in a sport that has very limited... uh, options for what you wear. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like the, the fashion is very restrictive and I'm very classical, right? Like I, like I wear Navy and I think that's a little outside the box. I'm like, <laughs> I got my Navy coat on and I'm like, oof, maybe I should go back to black. I was looking at your cross country pictures. There isn't any orange or pink in those. No, no, it's Navy, white and Navy. And then light blue. We have saddle pads with light blue on them because I don't know Stepping why. out, girl. Like, oh, Stepping out. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Got to stay restrained. <laughs> you're such an old soul. You really are. Yeah. And I just Thank think you. It's amazing that you're recognizing the, the people just, you know, who, who kind of helped you get there. And because and, they are so important and those relationships are so important. It doesn't matter if you're uh, a weekend trail rider or, or, you know, I mean, there's a team that, that helps mm-hmm. you get to where you want to go or and where you are. So that's really awesome. For sure. That is really awesome. So so tell us a little bit about uh, Equiderma and, and some of the products that you like there because I was looking at your bio and I'm um, really excited to, to learn a little bit more. So as uh, anyone that's come to Florida knows, we have something crazy that lives in the soil that just loves to eat our horses, right? Like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't, I have no idea, but if you ship a horse down from Kentucky or anywhere in the Midwest, I would say in winter, they come down here and the sand or whatever just attacks their skin. So um, with the Equiderma products, what I've, I, I like the shampoos and the, I love the shampoos and conditioners for just like every day, you know, before horse show baths, they're like just nice little scrubs, but their skin lotion um, with zinc oxide, I have found really helps with that really nasty skin funk they'll get. Cause they usually have it in, they have it up North, right? Like in, they have fur and then there's mud and yes. hair, sorry. And then there's mud and then they come down with that and then sand gets in there and it just explodes. So I love to use um, the their shampoo and just to make it soft. And then I'll put baby oil on that and then the skin lotion with zinc oxide. Um, and when I do that, I find that the skin stays, stays really soft and that the lotion provides a little bit of a protection because then if you start wrapping it, you get into trouble too, right? Because the sand mm-hmm. gets up in the wrap and then maybe you turn the horse out with the wrap on it, rips it off, whatever. So many problems. So I have found that that really helps. Um, we have a chestnut horse um, that it it just loves to it loves to get these massive sores all over his body. Like when we <laughs> clip it the next day, um, it, it, it's a little scary, right? Like it's it's one of those things where you clip it and then you're like you ha- you blanket it and you just hope that it doesn't come in with all of its hair gone the next day. So we um, we use the horse spray uh, after we clip and in ev- with our everyday. Um, after grooming rituals, like after the horses are done being bathed. Mm-hmm. And I found that it makes their coat shinier. Um, and it does whether, I mean, I think it's supposed to, but it does sort of keep the flies at bay. Um, uh, but it's not, it doesn't have harmful, harmful chemicals. And then I don't mind when it's being sprayed in the aisle and I'm breathing it in because that's my other big negative now, with harmful sprays. Right. Yeah. Now is that the neem and aloe herbal spray? 
Yes, thank you. Yes, yeah. Thing, it's really yeah, good on scratches too, which we get yes, a lot of here is. in Florida. Yeah. yeah, it is. And we have a, a therapy horse. I'm in Tennessee and we have a therapy chestnut therapy horse who uh, she sweats in the summer and then loses all her hair on her face. And we found that that spray is one of the only things that really helps uh, mitigate that. Yes, exactly. And then the other thing we really like to use, we, we don't have a massive problem with thrush, but like some of the top horses, um, like Kyle Carter has a water walker. We, we go in to do some of our conditioning and when we're really heavy with that, we find that the thrush and white line treatment on the, the bottom of their hooves has really helped like with, with like keeping the, the hoof solid and not mm-hmm. sort of crumbly and falling apart. Um, I never had, I don't, I've never had really a problem with thrush, but my farrier mentioned that I needed to do something. And then when Equiderma had a product, I was like, well, might as well try it. And it, it has really worked wonders. Like the horse's hooves, like my, my big Shenandoah Magnum horse. Um, he like, I get, I don't, and we were in Kentucky all summer. So I don't know if there was some with the moisture up there that changed his hoof, he changed his feet, but after using the product for four months and of course allowing a lot of frog to regrow, it's become, it's stronger than it was before. And those are the things you notice when you're trying to keep these horses sound. Yes. Yes. And that's true. I think, you know, everybody wants a sound horse and it doesn't matter, you know, if, if you're just riding around the pasture once or twice a week, or if, if you're competing at the level that you are and it's just so important. Yeah. It's just so important to do what we can. I really, I, again, I go back to this, this, the, all this, their skin creams and all their lotions they have, because I've used a lot of products. I mean, I've, I've been in the sport for 15 years now, and as, especially as a young rider, I just bought anything. And I just find that a lot of things um, struggle, I, I struggle to see a difference after using them for 30 or 60 days. And with these products, like with continuous use, there's clearly a difference. There's just all, everything that comes in and we use the shampoo on. We just don't have to deal with stra- scratches as much and they go away quicker and the chemicals don't seem as harmful for their legs. Where like if I use just like a, a head and shoulders type shampoo, um, I find that some of them get rashes and sore and, and you don't want that. No, no, not at all. Well, Maxine, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today. I mean, I really appreciate it. Your information on team building is just invaluable, and we're wishing you all of the success possible uh, in the 2021 season. So we'll be following you. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate talking to you. Thanks, Maxine. Hey, Maxine, what's your website? Oh, MaxinePrestonEventing.com. MaxinePrestonEventing.com. And of course, is Equiderma. Find me on Instagram and Facebook. That's better. Okay. I will put the links to that to, to all of those in our show notes. And you can also find Equiderma at Equiderma.com and all their products there, along with any of your local retailers. Hey, good luck, Maxine. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, she was terrific, and I want to thank Equiderma for, for booking these guests for us. They, they brought on some wonderful guests, and uh, she's definitely going to be a star one of these days. She doesn't live too far from us here in Florida either. Are you looking for an affordable saddle in 2021, one that will last a lifetime? Then consider one of the many styles of Wintech saddles. Jennifer rides in one. Uh, Jamie rides in one. I don't know. You probably have. You have, I, ride, you have I ride in two. You have yeah, to have them I, because I you, have a, you yes. have a barn where you bring therapeutic people in, and they all have Wintech saddles. Yes. Um, and the reason you have them is it makes it easy. You can change out the gullets so that you can they can fit almost every, every horse. They're weatherproof. You uh, clean them by hosing them off and wiping them down. There's no fancy oils or anything like that. It just makes it so easy. They have a bunch of different styles, too, from dressage to jumping to all-purpose and more. Which ones do you have? You probably have an all-purpose and a just 
dressage? We have we actually have two dressage and, and an all purpose and I will say they fit almost all of our horses and I just I just love them. Yeah, and, and it just cuz and changing the gullet, they made that so much simpler than when they first came out. It used yes. to be a real pain in the ass, but now it's not. It really is easy to do now. Yeah, it's, and they're lightweight and and as you said, you, there's little to no maintenance and um they balance you well and uh, I just think the world of them. I mean, if you need a fancy saddle for your shows but want an everyday rider, then a Wintech the and the price is certainly affordable, too. So yes. if you want an everyday rider, go to wintechsaddles.us, and you'll find all the different models, as well as your local retailers. I got to ask you, before we get to Deanne from Horse Nation and, and chat about a couple of the articles that were over there, like we do every Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so we're planning this road trip in August, providing we get... I, I thought... We planned it for August because we thought, ah, oh, we'll have the vaccine for sure by then. But who knows at this point? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I thought we would, but I'm still hoping we do. So, providing we have the vaccine before August, and then <laughs> most of the world has a vaccine before August, um, most of the country anyway, we're, we're planning this road trip for the whole month of August, and we're going to do a listener tour east of the Mississippi River this year and then west next year. Because uh, we have this new travel trailer, and that's why one of the reasons we bought it is we'll be able to go to people's farms and stay overnight and visit their farms and do video as well as uh, do the shows from there. So it's kind of a listener tour. And I put a vote out, and we got some name suggestions, and I put a vote out this morning on the auditor page for the names. And these are the names that that the, basically the listeners came up with that I like the best. And you know me, I like descriptive names to say exactly what it is. Um, yes. So I wanted to see which one you like the best of these four. We have the HRN Roadshow 2021. We have the HRN Pony Express 2021. We have the HRN Farm Tour 2021 or the HRN Listener Tour 2021. Oh, gee. So those are all really good names. Um, I, I. So Roadshow, Pony Express, Farm Tour, Listener Tour. I know. So to me, it's really all about the listeners, but I really like the sound of the Roadshow. Right now, the votes are 40 for the Roadshow and five for Pony Express. Really? Yep. Really? I, I kind of surprised me. I thought they would all be on Pony Express because of Scooter, because of my pony. But, right. But, uh, of yeah, the road show, I guess, because we are doing shows on the road. So that kind of yeah. makes sense. Well, but, I think of, of Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, you know? that's true. I like that, you know, and you yeah. kind of go from place to place. I, I like the road show uh, name. Yeah, it's short, too. I like it because it's short. And for yeah. for logos and signage and things, you need short. Yes. Uh, that works better. So, yeah, it looks like it's leaning towards Roadshow, according to the voting. Well, you know, you'll know more, I guess, this time tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't think it's going to change that much at this point. I kind of like Roadshow, too, just because it is so simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, listener tour I kind of liked, but it doesn't have a ring to it. No, it really doesn't. Farm doesn't. tour was okay, but then it could be like we're going out to see cattle. True. You know, cattle farms and, you know, <laughs> corn farms. farms. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, HRN Roadshow, because that's what we're doing. We're doing the shows on the road. I have, yeah. I'm talking myself right into that one. <laughs> I love it. I All love right. it. Well, thanks for your vote. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, tell us, where can people find your new book? How's it selling? What's going on? What's Oh, The Rain Equation is getting some really good reviews. I'm just uh, so Grateful to all the auditors who have posted a, a review on Amazon.com or who have purchased the book and have sent me an email about how much they liked it. And uh, so, did they say uh, anything about Jamie being the killer? They haven't, and we just no. don't want to, you know, spoil it for those who haven't oh, read it. Oh, I don't but, know if she's a killer or not. 
I know, I know. And I'm just, uh, you know, Jamie and then, of course, Mary Schmidt and uh, Jackie Rollins, the auditors, uh, were so gracious about allowing uh, me to include them in the book. And uh, you and Jen, of course, uh, Horses in the Morning has, you know, been in every one except the very first one. And uh, so and I don't selling- think we knew Ethan. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's doing really well. And actually, Kat and I are collaborating uh, and writing a horse training book together. Okay, so Kat is her her protagonist, Kat, her, her yes, main character the main, in the books. Yes, and so all of the books have, have, oh, 15 or 20 little horse training tips from Kat at the end of some of the chapters. And um, so we're going to expand on some of those tips and um, get Kat's thought on, um, you know. And yes, uh, she does uh, talk to Kat. Uh, I do. Her cat talks yeah. to her, actually, I think is more. She, than... She's in my head. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's weird, but <laughs> it works. <laughs> well, <laughs> but most right books. will tell you that you know, your characters talk to you. So, um, so they do. Yeah, but um, I think but anyway, all the big so, authors would say that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the rain equation is, Although, is if Stephen doing King's really characters well. are talking to him, maybe that is why That's those books scary. are so scary. You know, <laughs> I've got to the point where some of the Dean Koontz and Stephen King, both of them who I used to love, I I can't read I can't them either. anymore unless I've got somebody else in the room with me because <laughs> I get too scared. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Do you find yourself, because your books are murder mystery, you know, books basically, um, do you find yourself reading more murder mystery books or or do you find yourself reading other stuff because you write murder mystery books? Well, I I read a broad selection of things, but I don't read anything when I'm writing because then I start writing like whoever I'm reading. Oh, really? Yeah, over the course of, of writing a book, you know, eight or 10 months, I might read, you know, a bunch of books and then the my book then becomes all disjointed with a lot of different influences. So uh, when I'm taking a break or I'm in the editing mode, then I kind of get caught up on reading. But I read, you know, I read uh, Sue Monk Kidd and and Jennifer Weiner and, and and John Grisham and Janet Ivanovich and Dick Francis. I mean, it's it's a pretty broad spectrum of of things. Yeah, I I was wondering about that. I was wondering if you stayed in one niche because I kind of read a little bit of everything. So yeah, uh, yeah, and not I so think, much the I horror think, books, but. No. Mm. And I think, you know, when I was in the music industry, all of the artists that I worked with, they listened to everything. And I think it's the same with authors is that authors, you know, you, you read kind of the genre that you write, but you also read a lot of other things, too. I got to tell you that, um, you know, every time Jennifer is, is she watches the Harry Potter movies over and over and over and over again. Yes. And w- when I watch those movies and I think about her and her writing those books, just the imagination, you know. Oh, my goodness. J.K. Rowling's imagination is out of this world to, that you she dreamed up all that stuff. And apparently she had all the books in her head or wrote oh, them all yes. at once or whatever. Yes. But yeah, it's yeah. just amazing. And, and the detail and. And, you know, it's just Where does phenomenal. Where imagination come from? I mean, that's just... I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. And, and, I mean, I love all of the Harry Potter books. I mean, I just love them. Well, she knew and, how to tell a story, too. That was the other thing. Yeah. She really was a, a, not a published writer, right? She was... No. Uh, you know. She was a, a divorced mom and or a single mom who was living in some kind of garret and writing in a coffee shop. And, yeah, and, her storytelling you know, was masterful. 
Yes. I mean, forget all the millions of little details that were unbelievable, but the storytelling itself, telling the story beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. You know, it was, in this case, it took 10 books to tell the beginning, middle, and end. Um, yes. But they all tied together, and, and just that's got to be so difficult. <laughs> oh, it does. It does. And I just can't imagine, you know, the, the last one where, you know, she finally wrapped up uh, everything. And, and I mean, to let go of those characters, um, that must have been tough or maybe she was ready to let go i don't know but um you know they say the people that hike like the appalachian trail that do the long trails of two thousand miles six months of your life walking every day right yeah and then you end and they all get depressed after uh oh i could imagine that yeah Yeah. well you must know and you probably get a little bit of that when you finish every book are you just so happy it's done (laughs) (laughs) no no it's and it and then you know i i I go months you know without acting actively creating and then when I do it's like oh I'm back with my friends <laughs> and it's so it's it's like coming home um, because they're just so much a part of me now and I think that's true of of every author um, who really has characters that that resonate with them and that they like so where can people find a book uh, any place online Amazon uh, Barnes and Noble Powell's books um, I think it's cheapest on Amazon and any bookstore uh, you know, if they don't have it in stock, they can order it. And what's so, it called again? Called The Rain Equation. R-E-I-N. The Rain Equation. You got to read it. Go out and buy one yeah. today. Yeah, it has a surprise ending that people yes, either love her. So. <laughs> have you find, been finding people are loving or hating it? Um, They are concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I would they're say concerned. that was probably my reaction, too. Yeah. Yeah, they're concerned yeah. about the characters. Yeah, so. that's probably mine too. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not going to give away whether Jamie was the killer or not. Oh, no, but she's know. a big part of the book. No, she's, she's a big part of the book. Matter of fact, when I saw her on the second page, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, <laughs> she's right in from the beginning." I, well, we were all in the second or third page, actually. Yes, uh, yes. yeah, we and, were like at the right at the beginning. We're usually more seven or eight chapters in. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Jamie sent me the nicest email about uh, after I sent her the the pages she was in that she really, really loved. Uh, what her her portrait her portrayal in the book she, she loved it so that was good yes. it was a little scary <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yes the one thing she does in the book um right at the beginning of the book uh where yeah. she puts a guy in his place uh was yeah. so Jamie it was unbelievable <laughs> and she mentioned that too yeah yeah it was so Jamie <laughs> You know, years ago, I uh, I was a music industry publicist, and I um, uh, handled Johnny Paycheck, who was a legendary country music artist. And he was at kind of at the end of his career, and he didn't want to do a lot of the the newspaper interviews. So he just said, "You just do them for me." He said, "Whatever you say will be fine." And so yeah. I took it, I took it very seriously. And so I started studying how he talked and his phrasing. And so I've kind of carried that with me. And and so you know, I've co-hosted a number of times with Jamie. And so I've gotten her speech patterns down. And she was she was said, "Boy, she said everything." That's exactly how I would have said it. So that was a real compliment. Well, we've all had uh, heard her enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Over the last 10 years. All right, let's go to our next guest. We have Deanne from Horse Nation, as usual. Well, Deanne's here from Horse Nation like she is on every Monday show. Deanne, today, what I've learned from my lemon. And I assume that's not talking about your car. 
No, not my car. And, you know, I feel sometimes I feel guilty referring to my horse as a lemon. But I tell you what, it's been a rough enough year with her. And then, like, on top of just other things that I'm like, there's lemonade. (laughs) Our new greyhound. I referred to her as a lemon a few times already. Uh, Was she getting better a little bit? Is your horse getting any better or is she still lemon? No, she she is. She is. I tell you what, she's very, very sound right now. But since the most recent foray into vet bills, um, we're waiting on the um, wound, like where she severed the artery and cut up her leg a bit to just we've got a lot of new skin there. But just the center of it isn't quite where we want it for her to go out yet. So we're still in that wrap the leg, leave her in the stall stage, which is super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Right now I'm actually hiding in my truck while she's in the arena blowing off steam. She really is a basket case. Now listen to this. Uh, This is some of the things that's happened to to Deanne's horse since 2017. Degloved her forehead. Well, that's always fun. That's just I mean, and, you know, and a lot of them do that. Like, that's not new. It's just one more thing. Rain rot, enough to, like, rain rot. Serious rain rot. Um, uh, a mystery hind end lameness. Uh, arthritis in her front left. A number of abscesses. Hairline fracture of her right long pastern. And her severed artery. That's just minor thing. You know, nobody worries about those. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So the problem with a, lame, with a lemon horse is there's no laws to return it. Right. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like the car. <laughs> well, you know, and then where I feel guilty about calling her a lemon is when she's not stall bound. Like she really is a lovely horse to be around. And I feel for her, right? Like she is oh God, I guess she's technically seven by thoroughbred years now, but like she's a seven year old horse, so you put her in a stall and she goes bonkers. Like our horses are out like pretty much 24 seven, right. Except to eat. And so she doesn't want to spend her life in a stall any longer. So I feel her, but at the same time, you know, (laughs) and I'm looking at this picture of her on horse nation and she looks just lovely. I mean, she's got her leg wrapped, but she looks, she's got a great (laughs) expression on her face. Watermelon, but But other than that, she's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And and again, like you should see her trot right now. It's this beautiful trot, and I'm like, dude, I need to market you as <laughs> as, as something. But part of it has to do with her having so much energy that it's this lovely uphill trot that she doesn't normally have. <laughs> Please tell me you had medical insurance before all this started. Oh, uh, C number. <laughs> oh no. So let's see. See number six on my list. I'll get you coin insurance and get it early before all the problems start. Mm, my guess is you did not have it. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so how no. much do you think this horse has cost you over this time? Oh, God. What if my husband listens to this? Oh, he doesn't <laughs> listen. They don't care about this show. Um, let's see. Purchase price was not high. Yeah, oh, well, that, that never is. <laughs> this year alone (laughs) um there was a point where about ever since july about every month i was paying five to seven hundred dollars to the vet oh wow for the last month and a half the bills have been under a hundred but yeah that's just this year (laughs) (laughs) and then we even joked that like again scrolling through pictures looking for something and i'm like oh there are the x-rays from last year (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, we complain about horse vet bills, but I swear that small animal vets are more expensive than horse oh, vets now. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I feel like like my vet's not cheap, but I'm but I'm fine with that, right? Like it I think sometimes you get what you pay for. Um sometimes, not all the time, but like, you know, I have a vet I trust and who you know, can deal with issues. So, so I'm willing to pay for that. But no, my, my, um, I feel like what I've had done to my horse compared, like was, um, comparable was, was appropriate for the bill that I received. Whereas, you know, you go to the small animal vet and I walk around the waiting room and walk back out and it's a hundred bucks or 500 bucks. I was talking about literally walking around the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But then, you know, of course, then people medical is, I, I got the last bill for the year for all of the stuff I had done last year and they billed the insurance companies almost $300,000. Oh my goodness! And now they're they're saying I'm responsible for fourteen thousand of it, which I haven't gotten any bills for, so I'm just hoping I don't. But um, yeah, almost three hundred thousand dollars. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, so that with obviously much more minor things than what than what you've been going through. Where I'd look at what they were billing my insurance, and I'm like, how in the world was that a thirty thousand dollar medical stay? Well, then the insurance only pays like three thousand. So why are they building them thirty? They know what they're going to pay. I just don't get it. Right. Right. I don't don't get how all that works. Well, we hope the best for your pony. We really do. Um, Thank you. Maybe she'll turn into a grape. Uh, no, or and again, an apple. <laughs> she's point. riding. She's lovely. You know, like I take her to mounted shooting competitions, and she falls asleep in the corner until it's our turn to go in. Like she really can be a lovely horse. Yeah, the, the cars that are lemons are lovely to drive sometimes when they're not sometimes. in a shop. Yeah. Sometimes that's, <laughs> that's right. the key word. Yeah, exactly. And we've all had that car or truck, right? I, I this will give you a clue. And if you're under forty, you won't know what I'm even talking about. But I know that you two will. So my first car, I bought a Gremlin. Oh, nice! And the transmission literally fell out of the car in the way home from the used car dealer. I had that experience, but with a Honda. Did you? <laughs> well, it, I don't know if it was the transmission, but I'm driving down the road and I'm looking out the back, I, the, and there was a bunch of smoke coming out, and then car parts started flying out from underneath <laughs> the back of the car as I'm driving down the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I once had an alternator fall out, but the car had 200,000 miles on it. You know, we just put a new one in. <laughs> We've all had that lemon car. We sure have. Yeah. <laughs> so the next article I want to talk to you about, or the final one, is Pony Dad, Let Me Expose Myself. Well, first of all, the title got me looking, right? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was a little concerning. What I'm assuming it wasn't that kind of expose himself. I'm yeah, hoping. Yeah, not, not no. that. No, we're, yeah. he doesn't have to like Go sign to up jail. on any registries no. or anything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what was that one about? Um, so this is um, a new series we're starting here at Horse Nation um, by a Danish writer, Thomas Pelving, and he blogs about his experiences experiences as a pony dad, um, and. You know, and he says, a, a, but what exactly is a pony dad? He said, according to his, his daughter, it's the mix of a joke and a rock. A joke because he doesn't know anything about ponies um, and is sometimes afraid of them, and a rock because he's always there for his kid despite it all. So he, um, his daughter fell in love with horses, so he, of course, went out and, you know, put her in lessons and eventually got her a horse. So he writes about his experiences as he's getting into the world of horses as a completely ignorant 
father of a horse lover. <laughs> I love the article too. It was very well written. Yeah. yeah and, you know, and, and again, and he is Danish and I think his command of English is awesome. Like it's better than a lot of native speakers. Yeah. It, and I love the, um, the logo up at the top or the, the picture up at the top of the pony dad cartoon. Right. <laughs> I know, and he's got a different one for each of um, his pieces. So we'll be publishing his work about once a month. So he's going to be a regular regular contributor on Horse Nation, and I'm excited about it. Like again, he's he's funny. He has no problem with like being self deprecating, which I love, right? Because that's I, how I go through I my like life. I like his second paragraph. In this and the following post, I open the closet door and expose my ignorance. It's a walk in closet. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. He's good. I can't wait to read these. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well, you can find him at horsenation.com. Look for one that says Pony Dad. Let me expose myself um uh and thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate it sure thing you guys have a great week and good luck with the horse yeah thanks i have to go rewrap her leg <laughs> yeah let right. us know how she's doing oh i will right, thanks dan <laughs> bye. all right bye well that's it for this episode as i said tomorrow we're going to be dark there won't be a show tomorrow but on wednesday thursday and friday we have brand new shows for you that we recorded in advance yes jamie and i worked ahead and we have the sales and breeding episode with kayla on thursday so you can look forward to that thank you lisa so much for joining me today hang on auditors we're going to talk a little bit after the show about how to start writing your own book lisa knows a little about that she's written a few so we're going to go over that lisa where can people find your books again uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Powell's.com, or in-store. Just ask uh, to order it if they don't have it on the shelves. The Rain Equation, R-E-I-N. Thank you for filling in. And of Thanks. course, you can find all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network on our app. Search Horse Radio Network in the iOS or Android app store. Download it, and you can find all of our shows there. I think there's almost 20 of them now. And you can find uh, them also on our website, horseradionetwork.com. That's where you'll find a complete listing on the homepage of all the different shows. If you want to try something new, uh, we have plenty of shows to try. I did want to mention that this Wednesday night at 7.30, we're having the second uh, Stable Scoop Equestrian Round table and christy from the certified horsemanship association show uh, is going to join us and then alicia from humble hoof podcast is going to join us and representing the listeners is robin donahy who runs a carriage business out of texas and she's going to represent the listeners and we're going to be tackling some uh, weighty topics in the horse world you can watch that live on facebook either in the auditor room or on the stable scoop uh just search for stable scoop on facebook and you'll find our page and you can watch it there you can also watch it on the horses in the morning facebook page or if you can't watch the the uh facebook live and participate in the conversation with us which is why you'd want to then we you can listen to it on the stable scoop podcast feed after we'll put it out the next day so thank you all i'll be coming live by the way uh from disney world i'll be at the we're, we're taking a trip down and we're going to take our our new rv and we're going to the campgrounds at disney world so we're going to be there the next three days and i'm going to try and do the show from the camper on Wednesday. That'll be exciting. Well, if I, if I have internet, we'll do the show from the camper. Otherwise, I'll be at a Starbucks someplace in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be somewhere on uh, in Orlando trying to do the show, uh, one or the other. But join us live for that. Way or another. Seven thirty on Wednesday night. Thank you all. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you.
Well, that was fun. Yeah. 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 It really had a theme to it, you know, kind of a business theme to it this time. Yeah, it did. And, you know, we don't plan that. Just, no. Just no, happens. I know. <laughs> just happens. So, yeah, um, so, you know, everybody thinks they can write a book, right? So, mm-hmm. what, what, like, what are the first steps? I know we can't, we could talk the next 10 hours about this, but yes. if you're just going to give the first steps, yeah, so um, there, there's two kinds of writing. One is fiction and one is nonfiction. And it doesn't really matter if you are writing um, uh, for something that you want to sell or if you're just writing your memoirs that you want to pass down to your grandkids. You know, for nonfiction, you need to have a plan. And um, so, so you'll write a, a proposal or a plan for your nonfiction book that includes chapter outlines, and it really becomes your, your business plan and your Bible so that it keeps you on track and so that you know what you're going to write about. So you kind and, of put your titles and, and a descriptive paragraph of each chapter exactly. that you're looking to do yes yeah and then if you know if you're writing to to sell the book and if you're trying to approach an agent or a publisher you're also going to include you know your bio and um, books that are similar to it and, and how your book is also different and your marketing plan and your PR plan and your you know the, the whole thing so it's it's really a big proposal and there's a book out that I actually ghost wrote for my agent it's called publish your nonfiction book by Charlene Martin and Anthony Anthony Flacco, and um, it's it really tells all about writing a nonfiction book and book proposal. So, um, if you're writing fiction, which do you think is easier for you? You know, the You've fiction is more fiction is more fun for sure because mm. you can invent right. anything. You know, you can make up anything you want to do, and. Um, so, so that's more fun. Um, it's a little scarier because I, 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 you're either a planner or a pantser, and a pantser means you're writing by the seat of your pants. And I'm really a pantser because I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's coming. And and the ending in the rain equation was really a surprise to me until I wrote the sentence. And um, uh, I'm like, oh wow, that's. <laughs> That's a little weird, and I didn't I didn't know. So I really write um, and, and let the characters in my head just kind of drive it. So I don't really have a plan. I usually have a theme uh, when I'm writing fiction. I often know who the murderer is because um, very often, well, first couple of books they were ex boyfriends that I wanted to <laughs> punish. <laughs> So, so they're either either the killer, or I lock them up somehow, or you know something bad happens to them, and I feel very very justified. In I did all not of that. know that all the time I've known you. I did not. Yeah, know. yeah. Or or they could be women who have you know <laughs> just funny. disrespected me in some way. So just just a, just just an old plan. <laughs> I can kill you if I want to. Uh, <laughs> so so the fiction is funner, but it's it's a little. You know, it's a little scarier because I just don't really know where where we're going. I often have a theme to it, um, uh, and maybe that theme is only known to me. Maybe maybe it, it's about greed, or maybe it's about money, or you know, something like that. Or maybe it's about revenge. Um, but so the, so do some fiction writers know the beginning, middle, and end? They kind of have an outline oh, too. Oh yeah, they yeah. do. They do. Those are the planners, and and they you know they plan their book out with details. And usually the way that happens is is you'll you you might have like a mission statement for your book or or uh, uh, an executive summary for your book uh and then you know you might 
say you're, you're, you're going to write 40 chapters in fiction, well, you might start with a sentence for each chapter, and then you expand that to a paragraph for each chapter, and then you write a summary for each chapter, and then you actually write the summary. And so, you know, you actually know where you're going the whole way. And there's room, obviously, for change as, as you go through all of that. Um, but for me, it's just, uh, I don't get the spontaneity that, that I really like. And some of my characters are pretty humorous. And that, that for me, happens in the moment that, that it's written. Um, the, the most recent book, uh, one of the characters now has a pot-bellied pig. And that's been a lot of fun to, to write. So, um, you know, that wouldn't have happened, I don't think, in, in, if I had planned it. Uh, she just kind of showed up. So... Um, but I think, too, you know, no matter how you're writing, um, it, you know, it's important that the end result is entertaining and, and if it's non, nonfiction, educational. And so you have to have an editor who knows what he or she is doing to edit the book. I mean, you just you just need that. Every, you don't necessarily every need a publisher anymore. You can self-publish, but you still you do can. need the editor or somebody looking over the book, right? You absolutely do. And that, that person doesn't need to be your grandma or your best friend or your coworker. It needs to be somebody who knows about book editing. And Can you just uh, hire an editor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do quite a bit of editing, actually, and there are a lot of people who do freelance editing, and it it can be a little pricey because it takes a long time to to edit. So, um, but your your end result is going to be all the better for now, it. When you edit a book, so it's brand new, somebody's just come to you, yeah. and let's say it's yeah. you know it's it's a novel. Um, do you do you read the whole thing and then go back? I don't. I, I edit in the moment. And that way I can catch a lot of continuity issues. So I have an author who I edit and he's a little bit um, on the ADD side, but he's got fabulous plots and characters. But he, in one of his books, he had his main character who is a judge in New Mexico. Uh, she drove to Starbucks and she got out of her car and she she brushed some lint off her black power suit. And then she went into Starbucks, got her coffee came out in a red suit and walked to work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, no, 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 you know, continuity here. <laughs> That'd be me. Um, That'd be, I'd, have, I'd have all those little facts wrong because I'm always thinking about something else. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And you do sometimes you're just writing in the moment and it's fast. Or sometimes people will spell their characters' names like three different ways. And so I suggest <laughs> everybody, everybody has a, like a, a character, a bio for every character. Like I've never mentioned when Cat Enright's birthday is, but I've got all of that down in, in like a, a notebook or a file on my That's computer. It's funny because just... when we do, when you do acting, like if, you know, before we did the Renaissance fairs, uh, you know, I played the town crier and flirt, but uh, we had a whole bio, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that was my job. I was supposed to kiss hands. Uh, yeah. This was pre-AIDS. Pre-COVID, um, pre-AIDS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you knew your bio. You knew where you came from. You knew what town you came from, whether you had brothers or sisters. And it may never come up. But if it came up as part of our improv acting, then we had a place to go with it. So yes. it was the same way as an actor. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. 
yeah, you know your characters inside and out. And I think that's a lot of uh, new new authors, you know, they just don't really know their character. I'm, I'm writing favorite color, editing. favorite food, favorite restaurants, yes. all of that yeah. stuff. All yeah. of that. It's so important. And I'm, I'm editing a book right now with, with, uh, uh, and I just, I'm on the, the third round of edits and I just am not getting a sense for the character. You know, I'm, I'm not getting what he likes, what excites him, what, what he doesn't like, you know, it's, it's just flat. So, um, so I've got to go back to the author and, and, you know, and give him. So, you know, count. comes to life. Well, if we go back to Harry Potter, right? They all those characters came to life. Yeah, and can you imagine uh, J.K. Rowling uh, writing character bios on all of those characters? But <laughs> I mean, she she knows those characters inside and out. And they all came back later yeah. on, yes, with other traits. Yeah. So you're right. She knew them. She knew where yeah. their histories were too. That was the other thing. That's the other thing. Yeah. And so there was, there was, I think it was Joan Hess, who is uh, a mystery author, and I believe she has passed away. Um, and she wrote uh, a mystery series, and in, I don't know, book seven or whatever book it was, she killed off one of the town's characters. And, and she was with a big publisher and had, you know, a, a, a number of rounds of edits. And in the very next book on the first page, she had that same character riding, riding a bicycle down the road. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so the readers caught it. And so you have to have that continuity. And when you're talking about the Harry Potter books with such complex plots and so many characters, I have no idea how she kept all of that straight. I mean, I just, it's mind boggling to me. Hmm. So then, all right, so they, they put something together, um, and they're going to self-publish or whatever, you know, do they, yeah. do they want to publish even? Maybe not. But you hire the editor, and that's really, that process takes almost longer than writing a book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a lengthy process, and and you can have one round of edits, or you know, a lot of times with the major publisher, you'll have seven rounds of edits, including proofing. And so the book is very clean by the time you get through. And and editing is not just um, fixing typos; it's um, it's finding plot holes or plot flaws, and um, or cutting out making, fluff that doesn't need to be there. Exactly. The number or, of pages and. Or something you've mentioned three times in the first thirty pages, you know, it's like, yeah, I get, I get that, you know, um, and and then also uh, following style. So books follow a style called uh, Chicago Manual of Style, and so it it's really spelling out words rather than using abbreviations. So you wouldn't abbreviate um, Florida; you would spell it out, and and you know things that are capitalized or not capitalized, making sure that's consistent throughout the book. Um, so it can be very very detail oriented but the thing is glenn is is it's all about the end result for the user and i think as readers we don't consciously know that um the word post office is spelled out in a book but when we see it and it's not spelled out then something goes ding 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 in our brain mm. you know in a book and and then you you kind of you kind of it takes you out of the story and you think something's not quite right or if the paragraph indentations are not consistent or um the chapter headings are in a different size font or something you know it's all signs of of lack of final proofing and and you know and and that's for a lot of people, it gets old. I don't know one author who has read the book when the book actually comes out because you've, you've written it and then you've proofed it like seven or eight or 10 or 40 times. Hmm. Interesting. And yeah. can somebody, if they are thinking of contact you, if they're... Oh, 
absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. Just um, the best way to, to contact me is Lisa info at Comcast.net. And I'll probably reply with a different email, but that's the best incoming email for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to talk to anybody uh, about that. And I encourage everybody, you know, if you think you, you want to write, um, just start. Just spend 15 minutes a day. If you, if you think you don't have time, just spend 15 minutes a day uh, and just, just get started. It might take you a while. But I think so many people have great stories that, particularly if they're, you're just trying to pass something down to your family, um, you know, pass those stories along, that's, that's history that you don't want to be forgotten. So those are important things. Everybody kept wanting me to write. All the other podcasters kept wanting me to write a book about podcasts. And now it's too late. There's a thousand of them. But um, I'm just not a good writer. That's why I talk. I'm not a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> know your strengths. And you can, you know, you can always talk your book into into text and then have it edited from there, too. That's all, always an option. You know, and Glenn, you could do a book about yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of book about podcasting, but man, you could um, write a book about creating a family or creating, um, you know, an, an audience because really the auditors here, they're family. Mm, it's true. They, they really are. And that, that is so important. And it would be so important even outside the, the podcasting world because… I could write a book after we do our road trip. See? There you go. That would be fun. I won't, but I could. <laughs> you could. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs>